millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. on our first supernatural investigation together. Our very first evening traipsing the chilly innals and venals together as a duo. And I get a queasy feeling in my water as if it's to be the first of many. We clatter across cobbles and totter on paving stones slimed with seawater and lichen. We find winding staircases cut into the rock passing old cottages clinging precariously to the cliff face. We disturb courting couples, a tree full of noisy starlings, several hundred squealing bats, an old tramp, and hordes of rats that scatter down by the docks. We come face to face with several cats, but some hours pass before we meet with one that glows. It comes about when we are in the oldest part of the town, rattling about in the empty lanes near the 199 steps. We've split up for a few moments when I wander off to take in the magnificent view of the harbour mouth. Here you can see the two curving piers closing in like pincers and the lighthouse feebly glowing in the pitch-dark night. I'm having a lovely peaceful moment when I suddenly hear Effie shrieking her head off. I find her near the famous kipper smoking shop and she has cornered a poor cat up a dark dead end. She has flung every single one of her enchanted mice at it. Now the cat is gulping them down greedily, grinning at her. Oh, look at it, Brenda, she cries, clutching my arm. Look at how the nasty thing glows. It's the crispy cat. So the legend is true. But I have recognised that cat at once. It isn't what you think, Effie, I bellow, elbowing her out of the way. His name is Harold, and he happens to be a friend of mine. I am too late to prevent him gobbling up the magic mice. I try to warn him, but suddenly he's lying there, flat out, dead to the world, with his glow dimmed somewhat. Harold? Brenda, what you talking about? Quick, help me carry him home. You'd better be able to reverse that silly spell of yours, can you? Why, of course. Come on, then, help me with him. He isn't the creature we're hunting. He wouldn't do anyone harm. Effie moves to help me, perplexed as anything. Harold fits snugly into my handbag and I fret about him as we hurry back across town. 
He hasn't done any harm, has he? All he's done is come back from the dead and spoken cryptically about being on a mission. Effie hurries along beside me. Are you saying that there's a second glowing cat haunting the streets and you already knew about it? I nod grimly. I'll tell you everything I know. I should Coco, she snaps. The thing is, if we're going to work together as supernatural investigators, then we have to pool our resources. And that means transparency and honesty. Oh, I can't be doing with her mithering right now. I point out that I'm not actually keen on investigating anything supernatural or otherwise. This shuts her up for a few moments. As we cross the harbour bridge into our part of town, I'm trying to work out how this whole thing fits together. Harold once belonged to Effie's aunties, didn't he? That's what he claimed. So perhaps it's Effie he's really come back to haunt and not me after all. Maybe his mission concerns Effie and he simply got the address wrong. All of this I'll have to explain when we get back indoors, though first she'll have to do something about reversing her spell with those mice. Maybe she's killed Harold, but can you really kill a ghost? It's as we're taking a shortcut through a rather unpleasant alleyway at the back of an unsavoury pub that we become aware of the noise. An unsettling, deep-throated growl. The throbbing noise of a hungry predator. I check my handbag, but Harold is still senseless. Effie grabs my arm and I can feel her bony grip through my anorak. Oh, help, she gasps. For there, jumping down from a wall beside us, nimbly hopping over the razor wire, is a second phantom cat. One who could only be described as crispy. It bears its fangs at us, and we both feel its red-hot breath on our faces, hot as bubbling oil. He hisses at us, and it sounds like a deep, fat fryer. Effie starts shrieking her head off. It's real! It's real! The flaming thing is real! Then the golden battered beast springs at us. It lands claws first on me. And luckily I'm well padded, though I won't be for long the way the beast is thrashing away. Effie, get him off me! I cry. And she dithers about looking for something to hit it with. But there is nothing. The cat is screeching in my face and I'm whirling like a panicking fool, thinking, is this what it all comes to? A life as long and full as mine and I end up mauled to death by a wild and ghostly cat? He's quite a size, as big as a puma, I'd say. I pummel him and shake him off, but he isn't budging an inch. Effie comes running in with a wheelie bin, dragging it across the cobbles and sends it careering into us both. We're both knocked flying, which dislodges the cat. But then he's got his claws into my wig and he's yanking it off my head. At this desperate moment, my handbag bursts open. I flung it into the shadows when the beast first attacked and maybe it was the jolt that woke up Harold. Or maybe Effie's mousy spell has worn off. Either way, I'm most grateful because he comes springing out into the alleyway, shining an extra vivid, fiery orange with sparks shooting out of his fur. 
It looks like a vengeful spirit returned to do battle with the forces of evil. The crispy cat turns on him with a venomous hiss, and soon the two are locked in mortal combat. Effie seizes the now tattered arm of my coat and pulls me away from the deadly fight. I can hardly hear what she's saying because of all the racket. I always hate to hear the noise of fighting cats. They don't know how to stop themselves once they've begun. Come on, Brenda, let's leave them to it. Yet I can't. They're a blurry ball of teeth and fangs and fur flying all about the place. Effie covers her face with her hands, but I can't. I watch until the bitter end, until both cats are battered and bleeding and exhausted. Then the crispy cat slinks away into the darkness, leaving Harold lying there, breathing hard. I kneel beside him. I thought you were a ghost. How can you be hurt? Effie creeps closer, holding her breath, just in time to hear Harold's shaky reply. Uh, I'm not a ghost. I've been allowed to come back in bodily form by my master, the Demon Lord. I'm as solid and as real as you are, Brenda. One ear is badly torn and he has a nasty cut on his nose. There's a bloody wound on his side where the crispy cat slashed him. Those wounds are already filling up with some weird kind of crispiness. Will you die? Effie asks him. He looks at her with fiery eyes. I feel quite poorly and I don't have any more lives left. You should never have attacked that beast. It would have savaged you both. You wouldn't have stood a chance. Effie looks gloomy. And now it's still roaming about in the back streets. I couldn't let it harm either of you two. I'm here to protect you. Are you? I ask, surprised by this. He is trying painfully to sit up. Uh, oh, yes. Especially Effie. You should never have attacked that beast, I tell him. Me? Effie says. Why me? Harold is on his feet, wincing and looking impatient with her. Don't you recognise me, Ephrygia, you silly girl? Effie stammers and flusters. I, uh, well, I'm not sure. Nah, I'm from your painting, aren't I? Surely even you can't have failed to realise that. Effie looks genuinely shocked and I must admit it is a bit unusual. A cat telling her he has escaped from an oil painting she's bought... But there are times for scepticism and searching questions, and this isn't one of them. We have to get Harold indoors and see to his wounds. Oh, by the way, well done on the enchanted mice, Effie. He'll be ever so glad that you're experimenting with magic again. Will he? She says. Who? Who do you mean? Ah, wait and see. Then he succumbs to exhaustion. I pick him up gingerly and he falls asleep, half curled around my neck. I feel his warmth and his ragged purring all the way as we hurry through the last of our journey home to Harbour Street. Once in Effie's sitting room, I pick him gently from my neck and lie him on the settee. His wounds aren't bleeding and he seems to be glowing more brightly. 
Still doesn't look quite right, though. His fight with the crispy cat has knocked the stuffing out of him. Effie goes to make some tea and comes back with the brandy bottle. What a night, she says. Can you believe any of this? She pours and we clink two large glasses together before downing them. Now, Brenda, she says, tell me everything this cat has told you. I am just about to divulge what Harold said the other night when he was luminescing on my continental quilt, but at that very moment I happened to glance at Effie's painting and give a strangulated yell. Effie, look! Surely you can't deny the evidence of your senses this time. She turns to see, almost reluctantly, and downs the rest of her brandy. Then she looks shamefaced. Ah, no, you're quite right. The oil painting has changed yet again. Now the man has dismounted, and he's holding the young lady in the ermine robe very close. The young girl in the foreground is young no more. She stares out of the gilt frame, and her face is the face of Ephrygia Jacobs herself. I admit it, she looks very like me, Effie sighs. When I was somewhat younger, I was never much of a looker, was I? Such a peer-looking specimen. I look back now and I think, what an unfriendly girl. No wonder she never had many friends. Who would ever dare talk to her? Who would waste their time? She looks acid-tongued and bitter. I try to say something complimentary about how she has a nice figure, but Effie isn't having any of that. What did that matter? Whitby was even colder during my young womanhood than it is now. We went round ten months out of twelve wearing six layers of woolies, all bundled up like Eskimos. There comes a mewing and a moaning from the settee and I go to Harold, who stirs in his sleep. He's having troublesome cat dreams from one of his past lives, perhaps. His glowing paws knead the air. So, you were at Danby's auction rooms, I prompt Effie, and you happened upon this portrait of yourself. When I first saw it, it was showing a child I barely recognised as myself. It spoke to me, this picture. I went up to it and that's when I saw the purple bruises under the child's eyes and the stringy white hair. That's when I knew it was supposed to be me, the young, orphaned Ephrygia Jacobs. I thought to myself, but who on earth would have painted a picture of me? Who would have bothered to capture me in oils? And who would have cared to frame it with gold? Well, someone did, I point out. She shakes her head. This isn't a normal picture done with brushes and paint. No artist hand and I ever worked on this. This is magic through and through. It only looks like a painting to the outside world. Oh, I say, then what is it, really? Effie shudders. I'm sorry I lied and denied it before, Brenda, when I said that you were wrong and that the painting hadn't changed. I was lying to myself as much as I was you. I nod and peer closer at the picture. I examine the very handsome man that Harold described as the Demon King, the Earl King, 
Who are these people, I asked my friend. Do you know? I don't recognise them at all, she says. I peer at the gentleman and his young lady friend as if I'm expecting them to spring into life at any moment. You know, when he came to me in the night, Harold told me a very interesting tale about the women who once lived here in your house. Your aunts. This is well before you were born, of course. And the youngest sister, Angela, who ran off with a man just like this. Effie pours more brandy out. The cat seems to know more about it than I do. My aunts were quite mysterious and I never knew Angela at all. When I was little, they seemed very old and slightly crazy. Though I was proud of them and thought they were marvellous. And yes, it's true now I think on. Angela did run away from them. They never liked to talk about her much. When I was a girl, I used to try to imagine her. I pictured her being more like me. And I could have talked to her and not been frightened and overawed by her, as I was by Aunt Maud and... Natasha and Eliza and Beryl. Harold is awake. He's lying stretched out, but one eye is half open, staring at us. She was your mother, Effie. That's what I've been sent back to tell you. I've been granted an extra tenth life in order that I could come back and show you her image in the painting. I can tell you how wonderful and gentle and beautiful she was. And how she loved you. But she had to go away and stay away from home. After you were born, she sent you back here to be looked after by your aunts. But she'd never, ever forgot you. Effie is staring in slack-jawed amazement at the glowing cat. His high, halting voice hangs in the air. He's still looking dreadful. His cuts and scratches give off a strange, sickly light. Can we see to your injuries, I ask him. Maybe bandage you up? He shakes his head. Effie says to him, This handsome pair in the painting, they're really my parents. She stands before them as if they're able to look back at her out of the frame. But where does the painting come from and why has it come to me? There's a desperate tinge in her voice. After all this time, I'm nearly 70. I've spent all my life wondering and not knowing and feeling alone in the world. I thought I'd never know anything about them, certainly never see their faces. There they are. There they are for you to see. Yes, but why? She demands. What's the point? What good is seeing their faces going to do me now? She seems about to burst into tears. I pat her on the shoulder. I think it's a lovely thing to have. Look at them. They're so old-fashioned, so beautiful, the pair of them. Effie shrugs. <laughs> she turns away from the picture. Well, I'm glad that we're happy together. Riding off into the flaming sunset, leaving me behind to get on with things here. I want to tell her that as far as I'm concerned, she's a lucky woman. I wish I had some evidence of loving parents of my own. And even if she was abandoned, at least Effie had family to take her in. Her aunts may have been witchy and scary, 
but they still stood by her and put a roof over her head, and fed her and protected her against the forces of darkness and the cold north wind. What the devil did I have? Nothing. Nothing and no one. And I never will. Oh, but as that thought occurs to me, I feel like a goose has just walked over my grave. A great glumphing grave. I do have a grave, you know. Several, in fact. <sighs> now I'm much too tired and I need my bed. I turn to leave. This evening has taken it out of me. And, Effie puts in, the crispy cat is still out there somewhere, causing havoc. I don't think we've actually accomplished much on our investigation tonight. I pat Harold goodnight, and he seems to fall asleep again on the sofa, purring contentedly. He'll be all right there, says Effie. Though I'm not sure what I'll feed him come the morning. I'm sure he can look after himself, I tell her. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And then I leave. Then I'm in the throes of making my first guests feel welcome. I make up beds and fry up breakfasts, and I find I don't have to try very hard to be all smiling and cheery for them. I actually enjoy letting them into my home. I don't feel at all awkward or strange. It turns out I'm a natural-born landlady. There have been a couple of sightings of the crispy cat. A spectral feline was spotted on the clifftops, and a blurred photo snapped up by somebody's mobile appeared on page two of The Willing Spirit. A few savage gulls have been found in the harbour, and I heard a rumour from Jessie, the waitress at the Christmas hotel, that her nephew, Robert, came across something alarming in the sand dunes after midnight last Wednesday. Jessie passed me this tidbit when I returned to the Christmas hotel for tea. I went with Effie, who looked drawn and tired as if she hadn't slept at all in the days since I'd last seen her. There's been no sign of Harold, then, I asked, being mother and pouring. Oh, yes, there has, she says. He's quite definitely back in the painting. I've seen his little face peering out at me once or twice. Once he was even winking in a reassuring sort of way. Oh, bless him, I say. I rather miss him, actually. Last night I lay awake hoping I'd hear his singing on my rooftop again. Hollow-eyed Effie is looking at me across the table full of fiddly sandwiches and cakes. I can't help myself, Brenda. There's something endlessly fascinating about that painting. It shows the same events over and over again, and I feel drawn in by it. 
She goes on to tell me about afternoons and evenings and middles of the night with her watching developments in the murky oils. She has grown addicted to seeing the same old romantic plot being played out repeatedly. Her father woos her mother and then snatches her up, the pair of them cantering away atop his flame-eyed steed. The sickly young girl keeps on being left at home. The marmalade cat keeps on having the burning sword thrust through his chest. Effie watches this narrative unfold as if she suspects there is a key secreted somewhere inside it, something that will make her whole life suddenly unlock and make sense. There has to be a reason for it all, she thinks. She eats a squashy cake rather delicately as she tells me about this, and I think, hmm, no, not necessarily, lovey. What makes you think there has to be a reason behind everything, behind anything at all? Why flatter yourself with thoughts like that? I know better than anyone that this life doesn't work like that. It is random, and occasionally horrible or lovely, and the thing that superstitious folk call destiny or fate is actually a spiteful thing. But I don't say anything aloud, of course. I wouldn't want to upset the old dear. Our afternoon tea is a subdued affair. It's like Effie is only half there. The remainder of her is still at home, staring at the painting. More days go by, and in my rooms the guests come and go. Carpets get hoovered, and delicious breakfasts are served, and money changes hands. And charming comments get left in my guest book in the downstairs hall. I feel as if I'm starting to fit in round here. A few people say hello in the street as I happen by. They're starting to recognise me, and it isn't to cross themselves, or make the sign of the evil eye, or ward me off with burning torches. I feel like I'm becoming one of the locals, just going about my everyday business. I don't see anything of Effie for a few days, and I must admit I feel guiltily grateful not to be getting hourly up on her spooky shenanigans. There have been no more feral attacks, so it seems the crispy cat has gone to ground for a while. Sometimes in the wee small hours I will hear a familiar catty song echoing round the chimney pots. I fondly imagine that Harold has escaped from the confines of the painting for a frolic about the town. He's having a night on the tiles again. Then on a Saturday afternoon, I'm pulling my shopping bag on wheels up the steepest alley in Whitby on my way to the butcher's. And I find myself walking alongside that miserable-looking Jessie from the Christmas Hotel. You can tell she was bonny back in her day. She should have herself done up somehow, I think. Make the best of herself. Anyhow, have I heard the latest about Effie, she asks. I say, no, I haven't done. Since I've been ever so caught up in my own business just lately, and what's going on? It's just, says Jessie, that your friend of mine, Ephrygia Jacobs, has been seen in the company of a rather attractive man. Well... If that's true, good luck to her, I say. Some male attention might take her mind off her problems. 
Has she got problems then? Asks Jessie and I clam up at once. I know an incorrigible gossip when I meet one. I lead the way into the butcher's and put in my extensive order for black pudding, streaky bacon and sausages. Jessie tells me a little more about how Effie was seen on the arm of this darkly handsome Byronesque figure walking along Church Street the night before last. <laughs> Who uses words like Byronesque in the butchers, I wonder? Jessie has heard tell they were going from one pub to another, having fun and gallivanting. Jessie says, sotto voce, I've known ladies who've had their heads turned completely, all for the sake of some bloke. Oh, she's a miserable woman, I think. I'm not too upset to wave a goodbye on Silver Street. I call round Effie's on my way back. There's no answer when I knock. All at once, I know that something isn't right. I put my shoulder against the door and force it open. Inside, the whole place is murkier than ever. Effie? I creep upstairs. All my hackles are up. Where is she gone? All this talk of her walking about the town with some unknown gentleman, it's got me proper worried. In her sitting room, it's very gloomy. When I put the lights on, I get a shock. The picture is darker than ever, and it's hard to focus on the shapes of the figures. It's like night has fallen fully on the world of the painting. La, la, la. Oh, my dear Brenda, if you've come looking for her, then you'll find you're just too late. What, you? Forgive me for springing out on you. What are you talking about? Where's Effie? Things have moved on. Events had occurred. The story has progressed and now Effie is where she wants to be. Where does she want to be? How do you know? I know the whole story. The ending is a good one. I was brought here to fetch her and that's what I've done. And now I must be off as well. Harold, you better tell me what's going on. Look at the painting, Brenda. It's a whole world inside the world of my master. The demon lord, the Earl King. I draw closer to the nasty thing, and all that mucky darkness is swirling round. It's like an endless, bottomless lake. Your friend Effie has gone into the world of the painting. I'm going in after her. That's not how the story works out. You can't. She's my friend. She's been kidnapped. No, no, no. That's not how it was at all. She heeded the call of the Earl King and she went willingly to be with him. He had her under a spell. He must have. He took her just like he took her mother. She loves her life here in Whitby and her antiques emporium. Her father wanted her back. He has her now, and now I too must away. Hang on, puss in boots. We're going to get her back, and you're going to help me. I cannot disobey my master. Why, if I did, he would stuff out any remaining lives I have. She's my friend, Harold. I'll not let that demon fella take her. La, la, la. Please, Harold, don't go. We must bring Effie back. I fear you're right. But the end of the story is almost here. 
I can take you into the painting, into the world of the Earl King. But you must face him, Brenda. I'm not as brave as you. We'll go together, and that will make us both brave. It's a golden doorway. A mystical threshold, far more than a simple frame for a painting. He gingerly leads the way and I step out of the dingy sitting room into an even dingier world of sickly yellows and purples and greens. A world of permanent dusk, quite different and much nastier than any fairyland I might have imagined. Stay close to me, Brenda. There are strange forces all around us. Ooh, I can feel them. On and on we trudge. For hours, it seems, through stinking field and bog. Harold seems to know the way. I stumble blindly with no sense of direction. Until at last, under a limitless purple thunderous sky, we see something ahead. On the soggy wind-lashed moor, there is a table with a clean cloth and two chairs. Effie is sitting there alone, stirring the teapot with a spoon. She looks up, surprised to see me standing there with Harold the cat. Fancy seeing you here. She sounds so vague and spaced out, it's like she doesn't have a clue where she is. Effie, we've come to rescue you. That dreadful man, whoever he is, has dragged you into this horrible place. And I helped him, I'm afraid to say. I'm sorry, Ephrygia. Brenda is correct. We are here to rescue you. Effie's eyes flash. Why would you think I need rescuing? I'm back with my father in his home. He's brought me home. After all these years, look at this place. Isn't it wonderful? He owns all of this. She gestures around at the desolate wilderness. Harold and I exchange a glance. Effie pours out the tea and I realise there is a cup for each of us, even Harold. The portrait didn't even do him justice, Effie says. He wore a beautiful pinstripe suit and cravat. He had golden cufflinks on and a blue wave in his hair. He was funny, strong and tender in the way he talked to me. And young. He looked much younger than he should have and saw nothing incongruous in meeting his daughter and she turns out to be a broken down rat bag like me. He spent time with me, Brenda. Lovely time. Hours and hours talking to me. We went walking all around the town. I was so proud to be out with my handsome dad. He told me all about his life and my mother, and he told me he hadn't even known he had a daughter. Not till very recently. My mother had kept him in the dark. They split up a very long time ago, and she left his magic realm. Is that why he was so young still? I ask. Because he lives in this magic realm? She pays me no heed. He told me that he wanted me to come with him, back through the picture, to this mysterious world he lives in. He says that here I can choose to be any age I want to be. I can live my life all over again, and I can make a better job of it this time. 
What? I gasp. How does he know what your life is like? What's wrong with it? Effie smiles sadly. It's a life of dust and rubbish, Brenda. I never lived it to its fullest. Even I wouldn't claim that. But here, here I get another chance. Look at me, back in my prime, transformed, reconditioned, young again. She holds up her wrinkled hands and pats her face. She looks like she's in raptures. To me, she looks exactly the same as she always does. The poor old thing has lost her mind. He's robbed her of her wits. Oh, Effie, can't you see he's hoodwinked you? You're still an old woman. Can't you even tell? No, cries Effie, standing up and scattering the tea things. Thunder rumbles overhead and there's a lightning flash. I'm not 74. I can't be. He made me young again. I shake my head. But he hasn't. And anyway, what's so great about being young again? You don't have to be young to have a new start. Look at me. Shh. He's coming. Listen. More thunder, more lightning. Yes, there is a sudden chill. A marvellous scent of winter spices on the air. And then he is amongst us. The Earl King, the Demon Lord. And is he truly as beautiful and vital as he was in the portrait? Fie on you intruders. What's this? Leave my daughter alone. Well... Not quite. He's a dumpy little sort with badly dyed black hair and his shirt hanging open to his navel. He wears a lot of gold jewellery to complement his tan, which makes him the colour of creme caramel. He looks like nothing more or less than a dodgy antiques dealer. You can't intimidate us, and you can't keep Effie here in this awful place. She's coming back with us, back to Whitby. Effie, love? What's going on here? Who is this vulgar woman? I'm Brenda, and I'm her new best friend. And I'm telling you, you can't just whistle her away. I don't care who you think you are. Effie knows her own mind, don't you, my dearest darling daughter? Now Effie looks confused, staring up at him and his ludicrous coiffure in his pouchy eyes. He's got fistfuls of grey hair sticking out of his nose. I've already lost her once. Her mother tried to steal her away from me all those years ago. She placed her in the care of those vicious harpies in that rotten, common little town. I'm just reclaiming my property. Effie looks round sharply at this. I'm not anyone's property. You're one of my most prized possessions. My most delectable collectible. And, Ephrygia, you must tell this horrid person to return to the land of the living and to forget all about you. Effie looks at me all beseeching. The nasty man's fat beringed fingers are pressing down on her shoulder. Maybe it's for the best, Ducky. My life there is over. I'm an old woman with nothing more to offer to the world. At least here someone wants me. But you lied to her, Master. You said she'd be young again. You offered her the earth. Oh, keep your trap shut, you insolent moggy. Your part in this is finished. I don't need you anymore. Did you lie to me too? Will you restore my lives? <laughs> I think you'll find that your reward is a good long rest. There will be no more lives for you. 
He lies to everyone. He's a terrible person. Harold, you can come back with us. I can't, Brenda. Without him, I'm nothing. I can only live here in this realm. Let them go, Earl King or whoever you are. He doesn't really want a daughter. He just wants her magic. He's got powers the likes of which she doesn't even understand yet. That's what he's after. The Earl King becomes furious at Harold's words. The cat has gone too far. Curses be upon you. I'll make you pay. There's a flash of flame as Effie's dad flings out his hand. All his rings start flashing and Harold is suffused in a deadly glare. Kill me! Go on, it would be a relief. After so long as your pitiful servant. <laughs> Most folk will be cock-a-hoop to be my servant. Harold, no! Lal. Well, that's the finish of him, the foolish creature. I tried to warn him. Is it true, father? Effie asks him. What the cat said? You only want me for my magic powers? What? Oh, my dearest, most darling girl, of course not. I just wanted you back by my side and in my fairy realm. Can't you see that? You don't have magical powers. I never brought you here because I want anything from you. I don't believe you, says Effie. She's shouldering her handbag and fastening up her coat. I think you lied to me all along, so I'm going home now with Brenda back to my normal life. What are you telling me, my dearest one? Good for you, Effie, I feel like shouting but I'm still staring aghast at the smouldering remains of poor Harold. Toodaloo, says Effie in a very determined tone. The Earl King's stricken expression has grown darker. His hooded eyes are glowering at us. Do you think, my dearest, that I'd just let you walk out of my realm? If you love me, Effie says, if you ever loved me at all, then that's what you'll do. <laughs> what would you know about love, sweetheart? A sight more than you do, evidently, she says, very sadly. After what you did to that poor cat, who never did anything but serve you, now I'll be off then. And you won't try to stop us, will you? Ephrygia, Effie, your poor old dad has wanted to see you again for all these years. I know I've got it wrong. I know I'm a bit impetuous sometimes. I get carried away. But that's only because I care so much. But please, stay here with your old dad, who adores you so, so much. But Effie turns her back on the conniving man with the medallions and the gleaming false teeth. She grits her own teeth and starts walking away. I'll give your regards to Mother, shall I? And my ghostly aunts. I'm sure they remember you. The man who ruined all our lives all that time ago. No, Effie. Please, my darling one. Don't do this to your old dad. Don't leave me here alone. Come along, Brenda. He won't stop us walking back out of the picture. 
He's just a silly, sad old man. Don't worry about him. Keep walking and don't look back. Ephrygia, stay with me, please. At least for a while. Look, I'll give you anything. Anything you want. You can have it all. I have no choice but to follow, Effie. We leave the Earl King shouting like a madman in the middle of the moor. He's impotent, robbed of the only thing that ever gave him power. The love and adoration of those around him. He stands in the middle of that murky moor with his dead cat at his feet, shouting after his only daughter, who shrugs her shoulders and purses her lips. It's a long walk back across those desolate phantom wastes. The howling wind at our backs is still calling her name. I won't give up on my darling daughter so easy. I will come for you again one day. I will see you again. Effie! But it doesn't do anything to stop us reaching the golden frame. And beyond it, we can see the glow of Effie's messy sitting room. We step through and we're home. What a terrible man, she shudders. I'm such a fool for ever listening to him. I turn back to the painting, and I'm not surprised to see that it's turned completely dark. There are no figures to be made out. There's nothing to be seen in all that gloom. Effie sighs and starts taking off her hat and coat. Tea? Or something stronger, ducky? Sherry, I tell her. Effie smiles. Thank you so much for coming to rescue me. I'd have been lost forever without you. I shrug. <laughs> My pleasure. Then she says, You know, Brenda, I have a feeling that this friendship of ours is going to be a fateful one. <laughs> oh, no. Do you think we're going to encounter even stranger situations than tonight's? <laughs> she shudders, but then smiles. Oh, yes she says. I shouldn't be at all surprised. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. 
Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.